everyone. Super excited about today's topic because I know you guys struggle sometimes with going through these difficult transitions and breakups and relationships. And people ask me all the time, how do I just, I want to fall out of love. Like, I don't want to be in love with this person anymore. I don't want this to consume my thoughts every single day. I, all I do is think about this person. I'm dreaming about them. I just feel like it's almost like an obsession now. And I, I really wish I had the magic pill that you could just take and just say, okay, let's wipe all of that out of your mind, out of your memory, but we can't. I don't think it's realistic to not be able to acknowledge the fact that it's hard to just all of a sudden stop loving someone. You can't really shut love off. And I don't think you need to shut love off. You can always have some love for a person. I mean, especially if you marry someone, if you had children with someone, if you've shared a life with someone, I think we set these unrealistic goals that we're just supposed to be over it and we're not supposed to feel anything. It's not really how it works. You're human. You're going to feel and you can't just stop loving someone. But loving someone and being in love with someone are two totally different things. So I know that there's not like a magic solution that's gonna help to just automatically stop loving someone, but I wanna give you some kind of tips to help you to start moving away from those types of thought patterns. I really do think that time definitely does help. I do think that time will allow you to heal and get some distance from this person and the memories and all of the like intense feelings that you're feeling right now, they gradually will fade. I promise you, you are not the exception where they're not going to fade. I think when they don't fade and people end up never really kind of getting over someone, I do really think that at the end of the day, that's a choice. Um, they may not consciously be making that decision or that choice, but it is a decision to start moving yourself forward and seeing something through clear eyes and also learning how to actually grieve. When you learn how to grieve during this period, it's it's essential because it'll help you to focus on processing your emotions and how you're feeling rather than just kind of staying stuck in that loop. So in this episode, we are gonna go over the difficult reasons why sometimes falling out of love just doesn't happen, you know, like that, where the way we want it to happen. Um, Cause I want you to understand just how impactful, what you're trying to do, like just overnight is just not gonna happen. And I think if you can accept that, okay, this is gonna be a process and I have to go through these different phases, then you allow yourself the space to be human and not expecting yourself to do these inhuman things, which is I'm gonna just not love this person any longer. Even when it's someone who you know is not right for you, you know is not good for you, We, you can't just shut it off and it sucks, especially when you have to look at someone that you know has hurt you or is not good for you and there is a part of you that still wants this person to turn around, that there's a part of you that still wants this person to tell you that they love you or that they're sorry or that they're coming back or whatever it is that your mind's telling you, your fears are telling you, your insecurities are telling you, but you know, I don't, you have to ex- like understand that the emotional attachment that you have to someone is strong. When you've been in a romantic relationship with someone, you oftentimes, not oftentimes, I mean, you do, you form these like really deep emotional bonds. Now, the emotional bonds that you experience with someone, that doesn't 
your emotions aren't logic. So your emotions are just seeping and attaching to people, whether or not they're actually good for you. Breaking that bond and distancing yourself emotionally can be really, really challenging, especially when this person has been in your life for a very long time, because now you have habits and a a program of how you kind of operate in life and who this person is in your life. And now, even if the relationship ended, you may have so many positive memories with your ex. And I think sometimes this is what we do. We circle around all of these like fun times and great memories and awesome experiences. And these memories can really make it hard to completely let go of feelings because you're remembering all the good times and you're not, and you're, you know, I don't want to say you're not remembering like the crappy stuff, but all you're doing is consuming your mind with these like shared experiences that you shared with this person, you know, whether it's trips and kids and times that were tough for you and how you guys got through it or just anything, anything that comes to mind that is like a fond memory. When you consume yourself with all of that, you start creating this story that says this person was the love of my life. This person was my best friend, this person, this person. And you, we kind of get consumed in those stories that we forget the reasons why the relationship actually ended. And the reasons why the relationship actually ended is not about anything that you didn't do or the person that you weren't. This isn't about blaming just solely you. It's about looking at both of you. You know, I remember someone, I remember a therapist saying to me once, and she was like, look at how you behaved in that relationship be able to be strong enough and remove your ego to examine your part. And I think that's what we have to do is we have to accept that it's not just one person in this relationship, that it's both of us. And as much as you want to point the finger at the other person, and maybe the person didn't create more problems in the relationship than you did, but it's not about just solely blaming that one person, but it is about seeing who you are, who you were, seeing who this person is, who they're capable of being, and whether or not that type of relationship with these two dysfunctional people, honestly, can actually come out on the other side and make it. And making it is not just staying together. Making it is actually having the relationship that I know you're craving. Now, when you start thinking like that, then you start facing the realities of the relationship that you really had and not the projection of what you thought you had. And look, all of these things that I'm talking about are different layers of grieving. You have to grieve the mistakes you made. You have to grieve what you weren't able to see, those red flags. You have to grieve who you wanted this person to be and that they're not capable. You have to grieve the life that either you thought was going to happen or that did happen for many, many years and that that life is no longer, right? And that's why they say breakups and divorces are like deaths. You have to grieve the shared experiences and and the emotional attachments and the memories and all those things and that those things aren't happening anymore. So 
there's an aspect of, I mean, there's so many layers to this. And this is why I feel like even when I talk about this out loud, I'm like, how can we just want to just shut this off? And I, I want to even really ask you this, like, why is it that you want to just completely erase this person from your memory, from your feeling? Why do you just not want, I understand the aspect of not wanting this person to consume your thoughts all day, every day. That becomes an addiction, that becomes a habit that you're creating. And that's definitely something that you have to begin to start disciplining yourself on because if you don't discipline yourself, then yeah, your mind's going to continue continuously want to just consume itself with these thoughts. And that's what we're trying not to do. So it does become a mental discipline to say, oh, no, I'm not going there and focusing your mental energy, you know, everything on basically where do you want to go and for me it was it's almost like channeling your energy in a different direction so every time my mind wanted to go to the memories or that i was the victim or what whatever it was i the minute i could become aware of it you know sometimes i indulged in it and i went down the rabbit hole with it and i felt like the victim and i shed the tears and and all those things and i think part of being human is balancing these two things that your mind is going to take over and you are going to feel certain things and you are going to grieve and then balancing that which is your emotional side with the mental logical side of yourself that says, okay, now I'm going to take this energy and I'm going to channel it into something else, whether it's building relationships with new people, whether it's exercising, whether it's a new business, whether it's painting, whether it's, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, whether it's just enjoying who you're with and not letting your mind do whatever it wants to do, which is just consuming itself with this person and all the sorrow and all the sadness or all the hatred or all the anger, you know, that is a mental discipline. So the people that never, you know, quote, get over it, that's, that was what was missing was the mental discipline to say, no, I'm not going there. It became an addiction for them. And maybe the addiction was sadness and sorrow, or maybe the addiction was anger and hatred and frustration. And they, I mean, look, those are really the only two places that you're going to stay. It's either that, or you're going to have the discipline to say, this is not going to break me. I'm going to get better. Let me work on myself. Let me focus on finding happiness in today. Just like simple, simple you know, principles of mental health, of you just being happy uh, and, and not being happy in every single moment. Like I said, maybe it's, I need to grieve. Maybe I need to cry. Maybe I need to call someone. Maybe I need to get my frustrations out. So it's not about not experiencing the anger and the sadness and the frustration, because that's not part of, that is part of the grieving process. But it is about once I feel those things, then what do I do about it? The, then what do I do about it part? That's the part where, you have, well, two things. You take responsibility for yourself of like, I'm not going to stay here and let this consume my life. That's a decision that you make. And the other part, and you know, you can really only make that decision when you're ready to take full responsibility for your own happiness and stop blaming everyone else or blaming other, you know, other things or other people for why you don't feel good in life. So, I mean, that's kind of number one. And I think, when you start doing that over and over again, when you make those decisions and you practice a lot of self-awareness, when you say, okay, I'm going to start taking responsibility for my life, my happiness, 
a level of self-awareness just kind of enters you because you have to be self-aware. You have to have that level of mindfulness in your day-to-day life as much as you possibly can in order to make a change actually happen. When you don't have that, all of the attachments that you have to this person, the unresolved feelings, the loneliness that you might feel, like all of that stuff is just going to consume you and it's going to take you down the rabbit hole. Usually we have to experience enough pain in order for us to wake up to make a change. Everyone's pain threshold is very, very different. Some people will always feel like they're the victim. Well, and maybe you were the victim. I mean, don't get me wrong, but who wants to stay in a victim state? That's completely different. That's what we don't want to do. We don't want to stay in this space, making our happiness determined by what happens to us and who a person, how a person treats us and what they do now. Because now we're at the mercy of everything going the way we want it to go in order for us to feel good. And I think any like sane person understands that life isn't going to always go the way you want it to go. I mean, we learn that when we're kids, when we want to play with the toy and someone says, well, no, because, you know, little Susie is playing with a toy and then the child throws a tantrum and cries and they're starting to learn how to soothe themselves that they can't get what they want when they want it. And us as adults, we're no different. We're just, yeah, we're not throwing a tantrum the way a three-year-old would, but we definitely still throw tantrums and we definitely still feel like it's not fair and why this happened to me when it's just life and we have to learn how to not take things so personally. So I think sometimes the fear of when a relationship ends, there's this gloominess that kind of just comes over us where we immediately go to, what if I ended up alone forever? This fear of being alone or not finding someone else ever again can make it really hard to let go of the person that you were just in a relationship with. And we're not staying stuck to this person that, you know, your ex, you're not staying stuck to this person because you want to, you're staying stuck to them kind of like by default because it, it gives you something to latch onto, even though it's not healthy, even though it's ended, even though the person wasn't right for you. Remember what I said, emotions aren't logical. They're feelings. When you fear loneliness, it produces that feeling. And when you stay stuck in that, now the fear of being alone, let me just say this, and not finding someone That's a thought pattern for sure, but it also kind of starts with how you view yourself. If you view yourself as a catch, if you have a high level of self-worth, then you will, yeah, you might have a little bit of self-doubt because I think we all do, but you will quickly override that self-doubt with, I will find someone else. I will fall in love again because you know that's what you deserve. So I think you know, the whole taking responsibility for your life and your happiness and you working on your self-esteem, your self-worth, when those two things are happening, these fears, these thought patterns that would normally keep another person very much stuck in still being in love, still wanting this person to turn around and come back, you know, that ego and that wounded self is really running the show. But for someone who's working on themselves, that that doesn't happen. That ego and that wounded self that says, I just want it to be you, 
it doesn't exist really. So the attachment that you have where you're in this habit of this routine and this life and this past relationship, and while all of that can be very comforting, you detaching from, from someone definitely takes time. And this is why I said earlier, I really do think time plays a huge factor in all of this is that you have to go through the uncomfortable experiences of I'm going to the grocery store for the first time by myself. I am paying all the house bills by myself. I am selling this house by myself. I am doing this by myself. And there are times where, yeah, it's exhausting and it's frustrating because we all want the comfort of a partner to someone to fall back on, someone to carry the load for us when we just don't feel like carrying it or we can't carry it. It takes a strong person to you know, go through life and have to do this sometimes by yourself. But you learn, the beauty of going through this time is that you learn how to really take care of yourself. So it's not about learn how to just be alone. It's about learn how to enjoy your own company. Learn how to rely on yourself in a healthy way, not in a, I'm independent, I don't need anyone. Nope, I'm not gonna rely on anyone ever again because when I rely on someone, they let me down. So we don't want, you know, the trauma and the wounds from what you've experienced with your ex to dictate your future or to dictate letting someone come in and love you and help you and be there for you. Again, that kind of goes back to the self-esteem and self-worth. You can be super healthy, be alone and, you know, have to do it all on your own, which is not easy. And when you are ready for a relationship and you do meet a really great person that you are more than willing to kind of open yourself up, not to going back to like a codependent relationship, but a really healthy relationship where you balance these two sides of yourself of this is my life and I'm now sharing it with you. And, and you don't have a fear of someone letting you down because you know, even if someone ever did let you down, even if someone ever did drop the ball, that you're capable. I think we fear getting into relationships after we've been hurt because we are putting so much pressure on this new relationship to be something that it shouldn't be. And you're kind of going back to who you used to be prior to your ex, where you were wounded and you were looking for this person to save you and love you and give you all of these things that you should always be giving yourself first. And yeah, a good partner, a healthy partner should 100% love you and give into you and pour into you and pour into the relationship and be vulnerable and be honest and, and think about you and, and want to help, you know, just love you basically, but you also have to love you. So it's that 80, 20 rule of you should be loving you 80% of your day and your partner is giving you 20%. And yeah, there are going to be those occasional days where you can't do the 80%. You can only do 20 hell. You can barely do 10. And that's fine. That's where that person picks up the slack. But even if you're not in a relationship, honey, you have people in your life that are always giving you the 80%, whether it's coworkers, family, friends, you know, anyone that's in your life that loves and cares about you is capable of giving you the 80%. Now, if you're looking for your sister to give you 80%, she may not be able to. So maybe she can only give you 40 and then your friend Sue can give you 20. Okay, great. Now you're at 60. 
and your mom gives you another 20. Great. You're at 80. Boom. You got everything you needed. So don't feel disappointed when one person can't give you the 80. It's just a matter of who collectively in your life can tally up that score and give you what you need when you're not capable of doing it. And let's just call it what it is. Are you doing what you need to be doing to give yourself that 80%? Are you starting to say, okay, I gave myself 20 the last couple of days. Now I got to take responsibility and really dig deep and start giving myself, all right, if I only gave myself 20, then tomorrow I got to give myself 40. Like I got to push myself a little bit. That is self-empowering. That means that you take responsibility for your life. That means that you also know that you're capable of going from 20 to 80. Yeah, maybe you can't do it overnight, but you can definitely start working on it. And that's where you're not a victim. That's where you know that you're capable. And yeah, you may have fallen into a slump. Um, And I will say, you guys, right now we're doing 30% off all of my online courses until November 15th. Take advantage. The code is down below. The code is 30 off because I was just thinking Mindset Makeover. My course is a great, great option for this where we tackle everything under the umbrella of mental health and self-development. I'm telling you this course, I, I always, you know, my self-parenting course is really my baby. And I tell people this all the time. Um, my nine week course is kind of like my oldest child. It was my firstborn. Um, I'll always have a special bond with it because I think it's very important to heal. And the self-parenting is kind of like, you know, the, the, the course that the child that is the most like me, you know, when you have multiple children and there's always one child that has a very similar personality to you. And, and for me, that's the self-parenting course. I adore it. I think everyone needs it. Um, it's huge. It's a, it's a huge skill that you need to learn how to do for yourself. But 30 day mindset makeover is my baby. Cause I realized that this course will help anyone at any point in their life. Whereas the nine week course and you know my high value boot camp those are specific to things that you're trying to do in your life which is heal and rebuild whereas 30 day mindset makeover i mean there's so much information in that course that regardless every day you can open up that course and look at all of the topics and go boom this is what resonates with me it's almost like when i was going through all of my stuff i used to go on youtube and I would just search in, I don't know if you guys do this, you probably do. And yes, I would want to learn about certain personalities and people and how to deal with them. But I think I also, you know, I I don't think I know, I would go on there and I would just search struggling with fear, struggling to move on. Don't feel like I can do it. And I would just type that in and see what came up and whatever came up, I would kind of go through it and say, yep, this is what I need to hear today because it was what I was struggling with that day. It wasn't always learning about narcissism and learning about, you know, how to heal from divorce. No, it was, how do I push past fear? How do I, you know, practice mindfulness a little bit more. So this course has all of that. Sorry to digress, but guys, click the link below, take advantage. But let's get back into what we were talking about, even though I feel like that does coincide with what we were talking about. But when we're talking about like not loving a person and why it's actually so difficult, when you look at all of these things that sometimes are against us, these thought patterns, these attachments, these memories, these unresolved feelings. If there were unresolved issues or emotions at the end of your relationship, guess what? It's going to be even harder and it's definitely going to influence your feelings now, whether that's anger, 
whether that's sadness, whether that's disappointment. So you could very much stay stuck in those spaces when you feel like something is unresolved. And I cannot tell you how many times I have talked to someone and that is 100% what's happening, where this person just feels like they didn't get closure, they feel like it wasn't fair, and because of those unresolved feelings that they're still carrying around with themselves, they let these emotions just stay with them, and this is what keeps them stuck, and they don't even have any idea. I mean, I have, I know people personally that are struggling with this. This, like I said, a big part is that kind of personal growth thing where, you know, I hope that this experience, while it's incredibly painful for a lot of people, I mean, it's gut-wrenching. I don't wish going through any kind of a diff, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's, it's legit heartbreak. It is your heart is breaking in two. Something is ending that you didn't want to end, whether you initiated it or not. And you're going through this process now. And for a lot of people, and I know you guys are in that group, this experience really cracks you open in all areas, your mind, your heart, everything. You go through this huge awakening and personal growth phase when you go through these experiences. And letting go of someone really means that you have to accept that these changes in your life happen. Sometimes the changes are happy and they're positive and sometimes they're daunting and they're exhausting and they're sad. And you are in a transformational period right now. And this personal growth period is where you're learning how to let go of what was and letting go is grieving. I mean, really that's what it is. We have this like pressure, I think, that society and some of our cultures put on us where there's such an emphasis on the importance of romantic relationships that these relationships are the end all be all, that they're going to make us so happy, that we're meant to just be coupled up. And happiness is, it sounds so corny, you guys, but come on, let's all keep it real for a second. Do relationships make us happy? Yes. Do children make us happy? Yes. Can a job make you happy? Yes. Can money make you happy? Yes. Will it sustain happiness? Absolutely no. We know this. So if none of those things, literally no one or no thing can sustain your happiness, then how do you create happiness? Inside. It's an inside job. And these pressures that we have, these, these you know, expectations that society or your culture or whatever will put on you that your happiness comes from this is frankly just it's absolutely freaking ridiculous it makes no sense i mean to be honest i think it comes from just years and years of generational people being very unaware of what happiness is and how to cultivate it and i think you're seeing that now with all of the problems that we have in the world today in terms of mental health, like why is mental health such a thing right now? Whereas like generations ago, people went through wars and depression. And I mean, we're kind of going through that right now for sure. And we're having to learn how to find peace and happiness where we are. There, Why is meditation? Why is mindfulness such a huge, these are huge topics that were never discussed years ago because people understand that the white picket fence, 
the dream, the fantasy, the life, the, the relationship, all of those things are not going to sustain me being happy. And so now I'm learning through these coping mechanisms, through being aware, through mindfulness, how to actually give that to myself. You know, for some of you, the love for your ex that you have, I want you to kind of take this on for a minute and roll with it and see if it actually will give you a little bit of comfort. I think this really helps too with people that have to co-parent where you still have to see this person again. Take take out the fact that they might be in a new relationship or you know someday or even if they are right now. Take out that equation. This person, regardless of how a relationship ends, is in your life for the rest of your life because you share a child with this person. And obviously I'm pertaining this to the people where their ex is actively involved in their child's life. And if they're not, you know, while that's extremely painful for the child and probably frustrating for you and exhausting for you, I will say it's always beneficial for the child because who wants a really, you know, toxic parent in their life who's not capable of being the great parent that they should be. I coach plenty of people. I know plenty of people where, yeah, the dad's involved or the mom's involved and they're completely toxic and unhealthy. And they create just as many problems as if the parent was just not around whatsoever. So sometimes out of sight, out of mind is actually best and it alleviates a lot of pain for the child. But anyways, I think when, I want you to see if this resonates with you. This person you will love for the rest of your life. I look back, even like some of my exes that, you know, I didn't get married or have a child with, I will always love them. I shared a part of a time in my life with them. I shared a phase of who I was at that point with them, whether it was my teen years, my 20s, my 30s. And so I don't expect to shut love off. You know, some... I have been angry with, or I've hated at points, or I've been so frustrated with, and I don't wish anything bad on them as much as sometimes I know we say, oh, it would just be easier <laughs> if you got hit by a bus, because then I think we think sometimes that it will alleviate any kind of pain that we're feeling, but really it won't, um, that you do still have love for this person, and that that's okay, you know, being in love with someone is completely different. Being in love is actually a decision that you do make. Loving someone is an emotion that you feel that you can't control. If you spend enough time with anyone, you're going to feel love for that person. Um, and now the people that are unhealthy and toxic and the people that you don't like, while you may not feel so much gratitude and love for that person, you still have some love because you're a human being in the sense that you wouldn't want anything bad to happen to them. And the more you get to know a person, then you get to see who this person is and why they behave the way they do. And this is where you stop, stop taking things personally, you stop reacting to them, and you come from more compassion and empathy versus your ego that wants to just sit there and judge and hate. So that right there takes self-awareness. That right there takes a mature adult to be able to look at life in that way, look at this person in that way. And some people are just, I mean, I don't want to say they're not capable. They just don't, I think they honestly just don't have this information and it's not something that they're actively practicing, you know, throughout their day. 
breaking an emotional tie with someone, it takes like it takes time, it takes self-reflection, it takes support, whether it's coaching, whether it's therapy. I mean, look, you're getting support right now from listening to this podcast. It's important to recognize that it's okay to have these feelings, but it's also really important to work towards healing and finding your happiness outside of this relationship. It's important to let go, to grieve, but to let the grieving go when you've released and to start finding more fulfillment in your life versus allowing yourself to be consumed with this time, with this situation, with this pain, with these feelings. So, all right, let's do like a step-by-step here. How do you actually fall out of love? Is there a real like step-by-step guide? I know for me, I'm super analytical. So I'm like, if you just tell me what I need to do, I will practice this every single day. And I will tell you the one, two, threes, but I will tell you that every day it's not going to go one, two, three. Every day it's going to go three, four, 10, eight, and you're going to be all over the place because that's what it means to actually be human because falling out of love with especially a toxic person can be very challenging. It's it's really important for your well-being that you practice these things, but it's not going to be just like a one, two, three kind of process. But I, I do think it's important to be mindful of like, okay, I want to, I don't want to feel this anymore but understanding that you can't just turn the switch off. So if you don't want to be in love with someone, allow yourself the time and you know the give yourself this process. Say okay, like I know I can't turn the switch off, so I'm going to start actively working on these things and I know over time I will just slowly start falling out of love with this person. I will not allow these thoughts to consume me because I'm really using my energy towards something else. So especially for a toxic person, I think the first thing is you have to be able to acknowledge the toxicity. I mean, you have to be able to recognize and accept that this person is not healthy, that they were not capable of being who you wanted them to be. Um, They are harmful to you. They were not a good partner to have. I mean, you have to be able to see the abuse, the emotional abuse, the physical abuse, sexual abuse. You have to be able to and, and, you know, if you want to go deeper to have a little compassion for this person, compassion does not mean that we invite them over for dinner on Sunday and we give all of their behaviors a pass. No, nope, don't work like that. But you have to be able to acknowledge the dysfunction. If you can't acknowledge that, then guess what? You're still going to think this person was Prince Charming or the love of your life. You're going to be so consumed with what it is that they gave you, you know, the trips or they just, yeah, they came home every night, but they were completely dysfunctional. You're not going to see the negative. You're just going to be consumed with those little specks of, I don't want to even say positive, but just those little crumbs that you were getting. And that's going to be enough for you. I think also this is where you start to realize, wow, my standards were low. (laughs) Wow. Why did I even attract this person? Why did I even allow this person to consume my life? Why did I want to be with this person? And this of course is where you go through the phase of blaming yourself, of being mad at yourself. Why didn't I know better? Why didn't I see the red flags? I should have expected more or I should have demanded more. And this is where we can sometimes get really down on ourselves and mad at ourselves. And that's not what this is about. This is just about self-reflection to acknowledge and learn some things that you didn't know before. I think 
the next thing is you definitely got to set boundaries. You got to establish a clear set of boundaries to protect yourself. And this means that this person can no longer manipulate or control you. I talk about boundaries so much throughout my YouTube channel on the podcast. We talk about it. Um, there's a free course down below that you can, you know, download that discusses kind of like the one, two, three of boundaries. Boundaries are hard because it does require you having self-esteem. It requires you to learn how to self-parent. You have to have the discipline and self-control to not engage in a conversation that is not good for you. So in order to disengage from someone who's toxic, for you to verbally communicate with someone who's manipulative, that takes practice. I mean, it really does, but you have to set boundaries on just how far, and and again, these things kind of vary depending on the relationship that you have with your ex now. Is this a person you're co-parenting with? Do you own a business with this person? Do you share mutual friends? If you are ending a relationship or going through a divorce, and guess what? Now they're completely gone for, from your life, and you literally will never see them again, then the boundaries isn't so much with this person. The boundaries could be with yourself, that I'm not going to, you know, the, a boundary is just basically a line that you put in the sand of what you will and will not tolerate. So the boundary for the, the person is that I'm not engaging in these conversations. I'm not going to let myself go toe to toe with you in the ring because it's not going to do anything but deplete my energy. And then you're going to suck the happiness out of me that I just cultivated all day long. No, not happening. <laughs> but I think the boundary when you don't have to deal with someone is more about I'm not going to allow myself to consume in these thoughts and I'm going to take this energy and put it somewhere else. Like the discipline, and this is really what meditation is, is the discipline to say, I'm aware that I'm starting to go here with these thoughts and I, I even want to go here, even though I know it's not going to help me and it's not going to benefit me. I am addicted to it. I want to keep thinking about this. I want to keep circling around and around and try to find an answer. That Now you know you're straight up in an addiction. And now the discipline of going, nope, we're not doing that, we're doing this, is, you know, the, is, the hardest part with being a parent is consistency. The hardest part of mental health is anything. The hardest part is consistency. Will you wake up every day and go to the gym? Will you wake up every day and do this habit that is beneficial to you? It is the consistency of doing things. So the consistency of saying, no, we're not going there. I'm going to pull you back and we're going to focus on this. That's that's what you really have to start working on. And that helps you to have, first of all, it'll build your self-esteem for sure. You'll start to feel better and you'll start to have even good boundaries within yourself because when I talk about boundaries, I don't just mean boundaries with other people. I also mean boundaries with yourself. Like, you know, the things that you're doing every day that are not helping you, that are hurting you. And you have to have the discipline to say, no, 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 we're not doing that anymore. And I think this is where if you don't know these things and you don't have the discipline, this is where you seek support. You know, when we hire a personal trainer, we're seeking support. When we go to a therapist or a coach, we're seeking support. It's someone who will not only give us the support, like maybe the emotional support or guidance, but also hold us accountable. And I think that's really important when you're going through this is someone that's holding you accountable. No, we're not going to do this. We're not going to consume our thoughts all day long. And this goes again, back to kind of like that 80, 20 rule of like, yeah, it's okay to hire these people, but 
you can hire the personal trainer, but the personal trainer is not going to get you in your car and drive to the gym. That's the 80% that you need to do. Like you also have to take responsibility for yourself. So that kind of self-care where you prioritize um, your physical health, your emotional well-being, you know, you're eating well, you're exercising, you're practicing these different techniques like meditation and, and mindfulness and all that stuff. That's going to, that's what I mean when I say take this energy and put it towards something good. When you are focusing on yourself, whether it's all of those things that I just talked about, it will a hundred percent start moving you away from what you've always known and what you've allowed your mind to be consumed with. It'll keep you hopeful for the future and it'll keep you, because you'll start to make progress. When you start to make progress in your life, then you feel better. You feel like, okay, things are, things are moving. If you were exercising seven days a week and you were trying to lose 50 pounds and literally it's been a month and you haven't lost anything, well, what's the reason? Maybe the reason isn't that you're not doing the physical exercising. Maybe it's the reason that you don't have the discipline to put, you know, the Cheetos down at midnight or at 11 o'clock. So prioritizing yourself to have these disciplines, to take all of that energy that wants to just be depressed, be miserable, be the victim and say, no, I'm going to use that energy and I'm going to I don't want to say distract myself, but I'm going to redirect myself into other activities that I actually enjoy that will bring me happiness because doing this sulking and moping around and being the victim, it's not helping me. And you doing these things will help you to take your mind off this person. It'll start, you'll start actually making progress in your life, which will give you momentum to keep going because when you lose that little bit of weight or the bump starts looking good or your energy's increased, like you want to keep doing what it is that you've been doing that actually is working. So those things are huge. Like I said, boundaries, I think is huge. Limiting contact with someone, maybe even cutting a person off completely. I mean, that's a hundred percent possible. You don't have to have this person in your life. I think when we talked about the discipline of the mind and bringing it back to, no, we're not going there, that kind of reframing that you're doing where you start not just not allowing yourself to go there, but maybe allow yourself to go there, but challenge and reframe that thought, that fear thought, the worry thought, the the part of you that just wants to remember all the good times and maybe start emphasizing some of the negative aspects of the relationship because it'll help you to see this person clearly and what you really have clearly versus living in the reality, the, the not the reality, the projection of what you thought you had. You know, self-reflection is huge. When you start doing all these things, you start understanding why you were drawn to this person. You start working on your own personal growth and your self-esteem. And guess what? I'm sorry, <laughs> but you just immediately start feeling better. I am literally living proof of that. You are no different. You are absolutely capable of all these things. And I think even if you feel like, I don't feel like I'm capable, I feel like this is consuming me, it's no different than any other issue that you're having or that you could have in your life. It is totally normal to consider hiring someone to help you. Sometimes I feel like our family and friends don't always understand the magnitude of what we're going through. They just get sick and tired of hearing us venting or crying and they want us just to get over it because honestly, maybe they just haven't walked in our shoes. Maybe they don't understand the kind of 
hold that this person has had over you. Maybe maybe they just don't want to feel miserable, even though we feel miserable. So, so I think sometimes hiring someone to really help during this time can really be huge. It will really be beneficial. So, you know, give it time. Healing does take time. So be patient with yourself while you're going through this process. And remember, if you need emotional support, coping strategies, um, the kind of like someone holding you accountable to really have that self-reflection, to really help yourself with goal setting, challenging those negative thoughts and reframing them, creating boundaries. Boundaries is huge. Even just closure and acceptance, you know, managing your grief and your loss is something that you can't always do by yourself and and building up that self-esteem and that self-confidence. I think when you have those new perspectives and goals that look, everything you just said is what I want, then by all means, please click the links below and start working with me today. I would, I would love to have a chat with you. And, and this is what I live for. I love, love, love this stuff because I've been there. And I think even if you're not going through a breakup or a divorce. These are just what I found. My divorce just triggered me to understand all this stuff, but I realized that go if I went beyond just the breakup and the divorce and all that stuff, you need this stuff regardless. Regardless, you need this stuff because we're always experiencing loss. We're always exper- experiencing challenging times and you're going to go through this for the rest of your life. You know, those, and it's not going to always be rainbows and sunshine and it's not going to always be grieving and cloudy and rainy days. So these are kind of your mental health emergency toolkit that you have in, in the garage for you to pull out when you need it, when you're feeling like you're in a funk, when you're going through a really painful heartbreak, when you're going through a challenging time at work, when you're feeling defeated, when you're feeling depressed, when you're suffering from anxiety or panic attacks, like whatever it is that you're going through, these are the skills that you absolutely need. So you guys, Hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope it gave you everything that you wanted it to give you. Um, And I'll see you in the next one. Take care, guys.